Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Ideas Podcast. I'm Miles, and I'm with Merlina, and together we're in room R233 of the elementary school on the Professional Development Day for teachers. And we've actually been invited to work with a group of teachers, and what we've decided to do is to split them into five groups to talk about five surveys from five journals about five different topics ranging from themes such as sexuality to gender to socioeconomic class and to give them an opportunity to see the data and further their understanding of the student body. So for those of you who don't know, we publish a quarterly journal where yeah, we talk about the aforementioned topics and in each one of them we have a we publish a survey that um, collects responses from typically about 20 to 25 percent of the student body. And yeah, we always get some really fascinating, interesting um, responses from these kids. So what we're doing today is hearing the teacher responses to these student survey results and hearing their suggestions for how we can implement the issues that are reflected in these responses better into our curriculum and how we can make the environment at JFKS more welcoming to all students. So yeah, let's get right into it. This group over here had the opportunity to view the data from our journal on socioeconomic status. So everyone, what did you think was especially interesting about this data set? I think what's interesting and important is to see how many students expressed an interest in talking about and addressing class more in school. And in our discussion around that, realizing that we don't really have, it it seems to me as a curricular structure, a space where that happens, where there's a shared language or a shared understanding or that it comes through a specific curriculum that all the students have. You know, given that the students want to know more and given also given the fact, I think a really important thing is the fact that, you know, the, it's a relatively small percentage of students who are economically struggling to meet the needs of the school or, or like pay for school supplies or trips. And I think that also demonstrates that that situation must be quite uncomfortable in a relatively affluent Uh, student body. Okay, then our next question is if there was anything in the data that really sort of significantly surprised you. I was actually surprised at how rarely it seemed that students had been made fun of or seen someone be made fun of for their economic standing because I hear it and so I assume if I hear it it's happening a lot more than what I've heard. What would you like more people to know about this issue at JFKS? Something we talked about, again, is that we don't feel like this is uh, discussed in a formal manner um, through the curriculum and whether there is space for that uh, in ethics class. um, We don't currently, at least on the diploma side, offer economics. I don't know how much it would be discussed in a class like uh, comparative government, but that this should be something that is talked about in an organized and structured manner and students are given the, the language and tools to have discussions about class and wealth and uh, to have a better understanding of their own place and also uh, of that of others. 
And then finally, what specific concrete actions could teachers take to help address this issue at JFKS? So it's been said before, the issue is very important and should be implemented in classes. But from a social pedagogical uh, point of view, as a social worker, I would wish that it's more information how things are politically, economically, and um, maybe also with a reference to where to get support. Where can I get financial support or where can I get help in school if I want to have a Berlin pass, for example, um, to get free entry to, I don't know, museums or things like that. This is what I would uh, find important and I would like to add. And also just that that no one would feel financial barriers to being a full participant in the culture at JFK, whether that's going on the ski trip or the clothes they wear or uh, taking AP classes, which there's a fee for those, which runs uh, well over $100 each. And so, you know, our concern is, do students know that there is support available and are they comfortable enough reaching out and asking for support when it's needed? We have the conversation that uh, I come from a public school background in the United States where where you attend school is based on where you can afford to live, your home, and therefore schools have oftentimes a very distinct socioeconomic culture. And in my experience, I've worked in both lower middle class schools and uh, upper middle class to wealthy schools, and there's this distinct divide among students. And I feel at JFK, because we're not tied to specific housing opportunities or that type of socioeconomic status that I don't see as much overt division among students. And also looking at the feedback, I feel like in general that there's not a lot of distinctions, but there is enough that I feel like we do need to address some of the issues and be aware uh, of that, that minority of students who do feel isolated because of their socioeconomic status. So next we're going to listen from a group that had the opportunity to look at some results from our journal on multiculturalism. Yes, thank you. Um, first of all, um, I want to point out that the surveys are done, done really very good. I was not surprised too much about the results. They were somehow self-explanatory. There was one result which I was surprised about uh, for a certain reason. The question which had been surveyed was, Jewish people have reasons to feel safe and welcome in Germany. And more than 70% of the students had said, I agree, I strongly agree whatsoever. I doubt that. Uh, With all the experience we have done here in Germany, which all the experience which we've done here in Berlin in the last month, in the last years, and to be honest as well with the experience which we have done here at JFKS in the last years with problems like that, I strongly doubt that this statement is correct. I I would appreciate it were the case, but I'm far more pessimistic that it's uh, far less Jewish people who really can feel safe here in Germany, here in Berlin, and possibly as well at JFKS. Um, Yeah, one of the things that struck me as interesting in this data set are two questions, actually, about how the student body perceived their own multiculturalism and how they perceived that of their teachers. Students, according to the data, it seems, see themselves as more bicultural, but mainly see their teachers as only bicultural, either German or American. And I think... This is interesting to me because it speaks to mainly two issues, 
And that is that we have an absence or a dearth of minority teachers uh, here at JFK. And that is problematic if we are a school that promotes multiculturalism, if we don't practice what we preach. It also says that perhaps there's a paucity of multicultural curricula at our school, and it's something we should consider evaluating in terms of what we teach, not just who is teaching, but the content that we teach. And it has to be taking place in more than just the English classroom, for example, that we look at a variety of literature and works from different cultures. I think it needs to be done across all curricula in order to hopefully change that perception that, you know, our school, while it may be made up of multiple cultures, we're only promoting or presenting two main cultures. Yeah, there is one issue which both of us would uh, want to stress and would make uh, known to more people outside JFKS, which is a very interesting fact. Um, there has been the question, is there a division between German and American students at JFKS? And the result in the survey was that nearly two-thirds of all said, yes, there is a division. And we want to stress that and point that out, that this is the case. But we strongly want to underline that this is an advantage and not a disadvantage. We cannot deny that there are two cultures within the students, within the teachers. We cannot deny the fact that this causes um, additional work to take it that way. But we want to stress that this is a very unique chance and opportunity for everyone here, be it for us, the teachers, or be it for the students. Yeah, I would completely agree that this is something we should recognize as an advantage and not a disadvantage. When the school was established, it was initially established as the German-American Community School. And so, you know, if we consider this this divide as something that we can, we can build on and bridge, and that being part of our mission, part of our purpose as a school, then there, there are multiple specific actions that we could take to, to help do that. Uh, things like co-teaching, having co-curricular experiences for students, you know, where you combine both German and American curriculum within the same classroom or within the same learning experience for students, bicultural learning experiences. And this could be curricular, this could be extracurricular. One example would be that um, Herr Witte and I, we both teach an eighth grade drama class that has 20 German uh, students, German mother tongue students, and 20 English mother tongue students. And we co-teach this class sometimes with both classes together, most of the time with both classes together. Sometimes we'll separate them, sometimes we'll mix them and take small groups, each of us, and the students work together, sometimes speaking German, sometimes speaking English, and it is a learning experience for them as well as us. And in this way, I think we're, we're promoting and building upon this divide that we have And it is a huge advantage, and it is something that is unique, and we should certainly take advantage of it. We were presented with the latest information. The subject was body images. And my partner and I have discussed, uh, have looked at the data rather extensively, and we found a couple of rather interesting things. And we'll probably talk uh, one over each other. Uh, as far as what we found, I'll just start. 
as we talked about body image, we were talking about where does the image of body come from and how does it impact our students? And some of the data showed that it impacts them to a great degree. And one of the most surprising things is to what degree uh, they are influenced by social media, which is not too surprising. But what was surprising, at least to me, is where uh, they were not getting their information, which was more detailed uh, magazine issues, journal issues, etc., but rather basing uh, some of that information from the uh, relatively brief platforms of social media. We also wanted to know how students define body image and what's important in that realm. For example, we mentioned things such as the the curves of the body or the hips that seem to be rather uh, prominent in music videos or Instagram pictures, etc. But they could also range from the chiseled chin of a giga chad or the uh, minimal eyebrows of another model, etc. What is important to them? How do they judge? What, what is that? So uh, another thing that was really interesting was that uh, men's struggles with body image tends to be overlooked. So a lot of people strongly agreed with that and like agreed with the point that uh, we don't talk about body image itself at JFKS and especially when it comes to uh, men's body images. And also in the classroom, do you remember where we, uh, that, that maybe people are willing to talk about their body image with their friends, but when it comes to that topic in the classroom, it was a dramatic difference. And I'm wondering if teachers, especially maybe teachers in classes that are more appropriate to this, can invite discussions, not necessarily a personal body image, of course, but maybe the reality. Uh, I think this was your point, actually, the, the difference between the reality and immediate reality on those social interpretations of what body image says and means to certain people. I think it was just a conclusion we had that a concrete action could be to implement this topic more in our lessons like body image and uh, media and how it affects our everyday reality. Yeah. It seems to me that at least students are more willing to talk about this topic than they may have before. Um, it may have been a different generation where this really either uh, there was a fixed idea of what a body should look like compared to what's happening in Cosmopolitan magazine or Vogue magazine, etc. Uh, maybe even GQ uh, on the men's side. We don't want to leave the men out. But I think it's also kind of interesting that only half of students felt pressure from media to change their body, but they often compare their bodies to other bodies they see on social media. So I wonder if either maybe students in these polls, at least, are not being completely honest, or if there's something uh, there's something missing here. I know I, we talked about this before, but is it possible or even realistic to overcome these fixations with body image, just just like we're trying to speak more tolerantly and, and maybe uh, less restrictively about some of the other topics, the important topics that the Ideas Journal uh, brings about to us, but also can we, can we get over this so it's a, a natural discussion instead of one that's filled with, with anxiety, et cetera. The data was, um, I struggle or have struggled with an eating disorder and about 20% of the students agreed that they struggled or have struggled with an eating disorder. And we were wondering also, does that compare with the general population? Some quick research showed that it did, that JFK is pretty much on the mark as far as struggling with that. Well, if that's one out of five students, that's a lot of students in a classroom. So that may be a pretty shocking thing as well. And uh, should certain classroom rules 
be more gentle so that people who see someone else uh, eating in class, drinking in class, et cetera, does that play a role in them? Or is it mostly at lunchtime? Is it outside? Does that not even play a, a role at all? But I think that in general, a greater sensitivity to this topic and, and a building awareness of this would certainly be a welcome topic in, in classroom. And now we're going to listen from some teachers who had the opportunity to look at some data concerning sexuality among students. Okay, I'm going to start off with the three most important ideas that I felt I received from this data on sexuality. That 50% of the JFK student body consider themselves not straight, meaning the other 50% would be bisexual, um, lesbian, gay, and other. And another part that I was I gathered from this data was that 50% of the student body feel that their sexual orientation is part of their daily identity. Another information that I gathered was that the sexual orientation of 50% of the JFK student body is a significant part of their identity. And the third thing that I gathered from this data was that 75% of the student body at JFK feel that their sexual orientation is welcomed with everyone, which actually made me feel good. A couple of things that I was surprised about was that actually 50% of the student body are not straight. And another surprise was that 65% of the students felt that they could talk about their sexual identity with their families at home, which was something that was definitely a taboo if it was not straight in my upbringing years. Another thing that I found was interesting that we have about 15% of students that do not identify themselves as either male or female. And also was a surprise for me that we have about 90% of students saying they have a good understanding of uh, sexual orientation, which shows that they have a lot of, a lot of knowledge, probably better than when we grew up. Yes. Yeah. So what we don't have an answer to right now is what concrete actions we as teachers and as school we could do to make JFKS an even better safe space for students of all sexual orientations. Because um, as you said earlier, 75% of students saying JFKS is a safe space sounds very good at the beginning, but still that means 25% of students say it's not a safe space here. So um, we still have to come up with ideas how to convince the other 25% and make this a safe space for everyone. Okay, so next up we'll be hearing from a group who um, saw some data that talked about issues of gender at JFKS. Um, we thought the first thing that we should address or is important is that apparently sexist comments or jokes are happening sometimes or even frequently at JFKS and it's 90% of our students think that. I think it's not happening in the classroom or at least not that often but maybe in the breaks, maybe when we're not around and maybe it's something we should talk about. Second thing is we were surprised that most of the students that were asked the questions, they have a very modern way on feminism. Um, so the, they understood that feminists don't want to like level women above men, but want to establish equality. And the third thing we talked about was that our students see that JFKS universe is a little bit 
better or fairer than the rest of the, let's call it, of the real world. So equality is already established here more than, for example, in the work world, what's expecting them afterwards. Yeah. In Germany and in the United States. Yes. Was there anything in the data that surprised you? Um, yes, we can talk about the differences of the US and Germany. We both thought, I guess, um, that the US would be more evolved or let's say it's, it's more woke than Germany. But apparently our students say the, see it the other way around. So, and that surprised me. And I think you as well. Huh? Yep. What would you like more people to know about this issue at JFKS? We did not speak about people in general, but especially about teachers, because there was one topic, I just read it out, JFKS teachers treat boys and girls equally in the classroom setting, and one third of our students said, no, this is not correct, uh, so they disagreed. And we thought, of course, we would say immediately, of course, we're treating boys and girls equally, but maybe we don't do, maybe without noticing it. We are behaving different when we interact with boys and girls. And maybe we have to raise awareness of that to maybe change our behavior. Or then, I mean, when, we, when we kept on thinking, we thought it does maybe not have to be a bad thing because do we really have to treat everyone uh, like equal or do we have to give every student what he or she needs? So maybe it could be also read as a good sign that we address people the way they need it. So, but um, maybe we should think more about this topic, especially we as teachers, because we, I think we did it to an extent we did not before. Absolutely. If you're talking about uh, treating boys and girls equally, we thought about maybe doing our own surveys at the end of uh, class and maybe include questions concerning this topic and then we could learn more about ourselves, about our teaching style, about how students see us. It's been so great having this opportunity today to really turn the tables and be the teachers this time, but we're so grateful that we had the opportunity to interact with all these teachers today and use this data to really hopefully create some meaningful change. On that note, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to catch us in the next episode. Yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing you guys in the future. And if you support our work, you can find us at buymeacoffee.com. We have a link to that in the show notes and we'll see you next time. Bye.